Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 30th day of July in this year, 2021. And on today's report, I will be talking about the growing crime rate in our cities, some causes, some solutions. I will share some of what is happening in the great cities of our nation, how the politicians who run those cities have chosen to react to the trends they must obviously see before them each day. The Kessel family is doing fine right now in our city. We're in good health as far as we know, just enjoying the summer. The weather here in Memphis, Tennessee right now is hot and humid. Temperatures hovering around 100 degrees. The tomatoes must be watered every day to keep them from wilting and dying away. The family daughter safe, however, out in her haven of Los Angeles, just going about the sweet spot of her life right now. Speaking of Memphis, in our topic for today, I want to share with you a direct quote from the mayor of Memphis, a quote that comes from the email newsletter the mayor sends to residents of this city each week. Quote, last week I talked about violent crime in our community and the revolving door that has unfortunately become our judicial system. I want to talk about it again this week to further reiterate that this issue is deeper than simply arresting people. It will take all of us, elected officials, the court system, public safety professionals, clergy, and religious leaders, schools, and families to solve this complex problem. Example, September 20th, 2020. Suspect charged with aggravated assault, shooting at people on the interstate. $7,300 bond set. September 21st, 2020, suspect released on bond. November 29th, 2020, suspect allegedly involved in attempted armed robbery in which four men were shot and two were pronounced dead at the scene. July 21st, 2021, Suspect arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Two counts of employing a firearm during a dangerous felony and three counts of criminal attempt felony to wit especially aggravated robbery. No bond set, end quote. Well, the mayor of Memphis, Jim Strickland, shows that he at least understands the problem, that he has some sympathy, some understanding of his duty as mayor to protect the people of Memphis. He goes on to talk about what he is doing besides trying to close a revolving door, such as addressing the so-called root causes of crime. I say good job to him. Good job, Mayor. No references to race, past racial injustice is real or imagined. Just that this is a problem, so let us all address it together. The thing the mayor described in Memphis, Tennessee, is happening across America and in many places much worse than here. For example, in Chicago this month, this month of July 2021, 582 people have been shot and 102 of those people are dead. For the year, the figures are 2,522 people shot and 457 dead in the city of Chicago. I could go on with similar figures from different cities all day, but instead, let's look at some causes and some similarities. In Chicago, the mayor is a black woman named Lori Lightfoot, and the district attorney is a black woman named Kim Fox. Their race and their gender are important 
for us today for this issue because that is the only race and the only gender that George Soros funds. Why? Why would a Hungarian billionaire have interest in U.S. state and municipal elections? Why would he have interest? Why would he care who the district attorney of Chicago is? Why are those candidates allowed to accept foreign money? That's another good question. The primary criteria to obtain Soros money and support is that a candidate must pledge to stop prosecuting so-called low-level crime, such as drug crime, prostitution, shoplifting, and so forth. Whether I think drug crime and prostitution should be prosecuted is irrelevant. That's another issue, the refusal to prosecute when laws are in place on the books require that it be done, creates a disrespect and a disregard of the law. It is not just a refusal to prosecute that attracts Soros money, but unfortunately it is a pledge to end cash bail. I suppose that process started with the thinking that it was unfair to the poor to require cash bail, which usually requires the use of a bailed bondsman, but it often kept the most violent predators behind bars instead of loose among us, especially loose among the poor who suffer the most from these policies. Recently, the police chief of Washington, D.C. said, it is pointless to catch criminals, pointless, because courts will just turn them loose. Quote, the justice system that we have right now is not functioning the way it should, end quote. Well, that's a no-brainer, chief, no-brainer, because it doesn't seem to be functioning in very many places at all. Why is a good question, one I suspect with no simple answer. I wish we could just fix some simple problem. The system would function properly again, like replacing the battery of your car. All of a sudden, it starts and runs again. I want to suggest one thing that has interrupted the cycle of functioning in justice and in other government areas of this country, areas such as the FBI, the CIA, but especially the Department of Justice. For at least two decades, at least two decades, Perhaps more, the Congress of the United States, where the people's representatives meet and make decisions and govern the entire country on behalf of the people, has been, in essence, non-functional. Granted, it takes political courage to stand strong in the face of your party's leadership, and there is far too little of that, but there's a lot more to it than a lack of political courage. Members of Congress Having been at each other's throats ideologically, if not literally, for two decades, most members have known no other way, no other time. Rhetorical winds constantly fan the fires of partisanship and ideology into hatred, comedy, or the mutual association of people for a common benefit more important than any individual member goes out the window. It is fractured into a zero-sum game. No one cares who is destroyed in the other party. Since that would hurt their chances at majority, a proposal by one party is reflexively destroyed by the other, regardless of the merits of the proposal. The result of all this polarization is that it is so extreme that Congress is paralyzed and power abhorring a vacuum is driven from it, driven from the people, from the Congress. Power leaves the People's House and takes up residence in the White House. President becomes more and more powerful, more and more dictatorial. He rules by executive order because he knows he would not be able to get his way through open debate in Congress. Half the people support his executive orders because they think they agree with them ideologically. Half become more and more isolated, more and more powerless. The executive orders cause much trouble 
as they are enforced down line, orders to open the border, not deport criminal aliens. Orders to not prosecute criminals or release them comes through the Department of Justice via their bosses at the White House. The people can no longer be said to be a self-governing people. The same thing happens in the states and the municipalities as legislators align themselves with the president or against him. The result is a disrespect for an 800-year history of rule of law going back to the Magna Carta. Law and order cease. Enforcement is broken down along purely ideological lines. Human nature, unrestricted by anything such as religion, morality, ethics, history, tradition, or commonality of purpose, simply returns to the mean. The mean is savagery and total disrespect for human life. The government is always happy to serve as a bad example. Nancy Pelosi says she will have non-compliant members of Congress arrested by the Capitol Police for violation of her mask mandate. The governor of Alabama said it's time we started blaming unvaccinated people for all the deaths that they have caused. Other prominent people sometimes accuse those who choose to refuse Accuse them as murderers or killers. That type of language is what passes for public discourse today. It all reminds me of R.J. Rummel's book published back in the early 90s, Death by Government. Mr. Rummel points out in that book that the governments have been and are the greatest mass murderers in the 6,000 years that mankind has recorded his time on this earth. Talking about hypocrisy, folks. What does all this have to do with crime or the current catch and release policies. Government sets the example because government makes the laws. Government chooses not to enforce its own laws, i.e. at the border in shoplifting, prostitution, or various drug offenses. The people take notice and quickly lose their respect and their fear of the system and the law. For example, in the last year, almost a billion dollars has been cut from police budgets Collectively around the country, that is common knowledge, a very bad example as many are left defenseless from criminal predators. Most major cities are short hundreds of officers from where they were just a year ago. The catch and release program, along with the funding, as well as other anti-police rhetoric, have created an atmosphere of lack of community support of the police. The protectors of civilized society seem to be losing their willingness to go out and confront the most violent people among us night after night, day after day. Name any city you choose in America, whether it's Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Minneapolis, many others. The problems are caused by the officials, both elected and bureaucratic, their efforts to do what they consider to be good without regard to laws duly passed by the representatives of the people. Just check the records of any of the cities I just mentioned. You will see hundreds Collectively, thousands of mostly black people murdered this year. Why don't the mayors do something about it? Why don't they do something to help? You wonder. Well, they do. They do something to help. They paint Black Lives Matter on the streets. That's something, isn't it? What about doing something to slow down the murder and other violent crime in their cities? No, well, I'm, I'm afraid you asked too much there, folks. That would require a degree of political courage sorely lacking in the George Soros-funded mayors and district attorneys of our most violent cities. In fact, murder as a cause of death in Chicago is much more likely than the virus, if only there was a vaccine against it, or if we could just wear a mask. 
Uh, finally, folks, disrespect for the law shows weakness, division, confusion, therefore vulnerability to the whole world, not just criminals and their victims. One of the first rules of war is to avoid the enemy's strength and attack his weakness. A population that sees no willingness whatsoever to enforce the law in high places loses its regard for the law in general. Eventually for society itself, what message does the Department of Justice saying that it has no interest in the nursing home deaths by Governor Cuomo's policies send? What message does that send? Obviously, the message is that there are two sets of laws, one that applies to them, one that applies to us. Since the law does not seem to apply to criminals anymore, I wonder who it does apply to. At least that's the way I see it. Until next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.